Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Links and Locks Podcast. Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast presented by Bet365, along with Spencer Aguiar. I'm Roberto Arguello, and we're excited to be giving our tournament preview of the 2024 AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. In case you aren't familiar with the format this week, which would make a lot of sense, everybody's still kind of working through it, there are 80 players in the signature event, second one of the season, following the century. And this week, there's no cut. Here at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, unlike past years, there have been a 54-hole cut after a three-course rotation. This year, just a two-course rotation. No more Monterey Peninsula Country Club. This week, one day at Pebble, one day at Spyglass Hill. Then there's a cut, then two more days at Pebble Beach with no amateurs, no celebrities out there. On the weekend, only amateurs on Thursday and Friday. Weather's going to be crazy. We'll get into the course preview in just a moment. But first, we're going to get into our best bets. Spencer, what's your best bet this week? I've said it a lot on these shows. I think these events are challenging because they're going to just naturally pit us with many of these star versus star battles. I did think there was some value on multiple matchups that are going to land under that mentality. That's not necessarily the way that I want to attack the board, though. So I went a little bit further down. You're not going to find any bad players in this field. but for me, it's two golfers that definitely have some question marks to them entering this week. I took Sung M minus 120 over Cameron Young. You can find that with our good friends over at Bet365 currently. All right. A couple of players who are still pretty young, even though they got experience on the PGA Tour. Excited to hear your cap on that one in a moment. I'm also venturing into matchup land, which is definitely your territory firmly. But I've got a star-on-star matchup, which I know we don't normally like, but I think one of them is in another echelon. I've got Justin Thomas at minus 110 in a tournament-long matchup over Ludwig Aubert, whom I bet last week outright and had him in one and done. So I'm a believer in Aubert. We'll get into my cap in a moment. But first, why do you like Sungjae Im over Cameron Young? So I don't think the floor is perfect for either of these two options. Like It's one of the reasons we're likely getting books to even offer them against each other in a matchup. Sungjae was the 23rd most overpriced player on the board for me from an overall sense. Cameron Young topped that chart as the most overpriced player. 
there's going to be a lot of volatility with that answer. This is probably a higher risk play than usual, but it's kind of like I talked about. Like I, I made a concerted effort this week to run my matchups to feature, I would at least say marginally more upside than usual since all players are guaranteed four rounds of golf. That was where most of my significant deviation of the numbers came into play when looking at proper pricing. Sungjae got skyrocketed up my sheet and into a zone of where I actually think he's reasonably priced if you're looking at this from more of an upside perspective. He has really strong statistical profile on these pitch and putt contests historically. And then on the flip side of that answer, my model just really was never able to find that for Young. He landed outside the top 45 for weighted strokes gain total. He was outside of that mark for historical performances in the win. And then a 71st place rank in this field out of 80 players for that aforementioned combination of iron play plus putting that I'm going to be looking at this week. Um, I'm not going to go breaking the bank on this wager, Roberto, but I just continue to believe that markets are marginally too high on Cameron Young to begin 2024 here. That's something that we've used to our advantage at least a little bit so far this season. And until either books pair him against somebody else or give us a little bit of a different price in these matchups, I still think that you're able to find situations here and there where the market or at least specific books seem to be a little bit higher on him than my model does. I think that makes a ton of sense. And you got to attack your edges while you got them early in the season. And I am going to do that as well with my best bet by betting more so on Justin Thomas than fading Obear. As we know, Obear is super talented, has a ton of upside, but I want to sell high on him as well in this spot following Torrey Pines last week, where I think might be the best fit on the PGA Tour for him of any course in the rotation and this week his driving distance is going to be minimized and when we look at the rest of their games besides driving i think justin thomas is better on approach he's definitely better around the green and while last year justin thomas was struggling with the flat stick he has shown major progress with the putter so looking at some recent putting numbers for justin thomas uh, he's gained strokes with the putter in each of his last four official PGA Tour and DP World Tour starts. He's finished in the top five in all four of those starts, and he's gained at least 0.69 strokes per round over each of the last four tournaments, which is a major difference between last season for Justin Thomas. Before those four tournaments, over his prior 20, he gained over a half stroke putting per round just one time last season in the last 20 starts before these four. Uh, that was at the Genesis Invitational where he unfortunately lost strokes on approach, so he didn't have a super high finish. But Justin Thomas has a much better profile with his putter right now. We know he's strong with his wedges. We know he can flight the ball. There's going to be some weather involved this week, which we'll get into in just a moment. But I trust Justin Thomas as having arguably the best short game on the PGA Tour. His putter's hotter than O'Bear's, and he can flight the ball, hit all the shots. I think Justin Thomas is in another tier than O'Bear. I don't Love betting against a guy who has a high upside in Aubert, but I think JT has a high floor and a high ceiling this week. So even despite the weather, I'm going to bet him to win a half unit on this one and keep it rolling on best bets. But first, before we get into our outright market, which hint, I might have a little investment on Justin Thomas. Let's get into our tournament preview or our course preview for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Two courses, like we said, Spyglass Hill and Pebble Beach Golf Links. Spencer, what are you weighing in your model this week? Yeah, I mean, I think you said at best at the beginning, weather is going to play probably a significant factor. Like, we'll see weather can change over time. We can get into that more in a second. But it's always worth noting that the pro-am nature of things does make it a little bit easier because of the pace of play. So 
we're going to see that on Thursday and Friday before losing the amateurs back. Like you can't put a hard pin location for somebody like Bill Murray. And maybe that's unfair to use him as the example here. He can cheat all he wants. He can throw his ball from inside the bunker. (laughs) There's a lot of different ways there, but even all of that theatrical approach that he's going to take, that takes time out there. And so for like the obvious reasons for everyone watching and everybody participating, you have to speed things along. So I don't know what's going to happen between Thursday and Friday. Like at its most basic level, Spyglass of the two venues is definitely the more the more difficult of the tracks. Typically plays between a half shot to two shots more challenging on a given day. You could convince me otherwise on this with the weather. If we get really extreme winds on Thursday and Friday, there is that potential where Spyglass is more protected versus that wide open coastal approach that you're going to get at Pebble. Although I do think early in the week, there will be an edge from the golfers playing pebble. We'll see where the weather moves over the next 24 to 48 hours. But uh, when we look at pebble and we try to break down this course, like players are mostly clubbing down off the tee. There's going to be a lot of forced layups. It's one of the reasons why we see over a 12% increase in expected approach play between zero to 125 yards versus the projected return on tour. I'm pretty much going to look for golfers who can either, you know, handle a POA green complex. I think like, as I said, there's some level of this being a pitch and putt contest from within 125 yards. And then there's that massive factor that I just talked about of around the green play. If wind really picks up, uh, if the event goes sideways on Saturday and Sunday, I want guys that are good scramblers. I know a lot of people are going to want to point to the course history narrative. It's not necessarily something I'm going to do. I think one, this is the strongest field we've ever had here. And then two, there is a chance, as I said, this turns into more of an open championship if the weather creates havoc. I just think building too large of a pre-tournament card is dangerous. So I know we talked about this a little bit off the air, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts in the outright market and different ways that we're going to attack this board. But at least for me, I'm not trying to become overly invested. I think um, I ended up, and I don't know how he weaseled his way onto my card. And I'll talk about that player in a second. If you listen to this show, it probably won't be a shock of who that is because very rarely have positive things to say about him, but somehow ended up on my card and that made me a little bit more exposed in that area. But it's for the most part, a very minimal week for me, Roberto. So I'll echo those sentiments. I think the only other notes I had from the course preview is that it looks like three out of the four days, over 65% chance of rain. And the fourth day, it's 35% chance. And we're seeing that gusts are going to be around 20, 30 miles an hour for the first three days. And then on Sunday, possibly into 40, 50, 60 miles an hour, uh, which as a better would be com- would be totally chaotic. But as a fan of PGA Tour Golf, I think would be awesome. I, um, I also think it would be incredible as a viewer. That's kind of part of my concerns when talking about head to head bets or placement markets here um, mm-hmm. on, on a good day in a no cut tournament things move on a Sunday. And that's why it's like when we lose that miscut equity, I always mm-hmm. worry a little bit. You had 50, 60 mile per hour wins on a course that's on the coast that really has no protection to that. I, and that's the thing is, this is where it's difficult, Roberto. I don't know that they wouldn't just cancel play and either it becomes a 54 hole event or they try to finish this on Monday if the, the day opens up for them. And that's where it gets dangerous. And uh, you know we've seen that before. Like look at the players championship a handful of years ago. A lot of the golfers that you thought were going to end up on the right side of the draw because of a delay ended up on the wrong side of the draw. And that's not something that we can predict for who's going to mm-hmm. be on the top of the leaderboard on Sunday there. But you look at a guy like Justin Thomas, like kind of going back to your bet, he handled the weather conditions during that PGA championship 
probably as well as I ever have seen anybody do it. Like he's on the wrong side of the draw and still found himself into contention going into the weekend. So I think there's certain players that just scramble and play better in this weather. And that's at least something to note as you try to run numbers and try to build out your card this week. A hundred percent. Could not agree with that more. And I'm taking a measured approach in the outright market. I've got one guy uh, who's one of the relative favorites, and then I got everybody else at 80, 80 to 1 or lower because I want to save some bullets for in the tournament because I think there is going to be some level of variance going on with the players at different courses. You mentioned Spyglass Hill is a little bit more protected. They have five holes on the coast, and the rest are more a little bit more inland, not super far, but they are guarded by trees. And at Pebble Beach, just about every hole is out there exposed maybe the first hole is the only one that really isn't but everything else is pretty close um also got to play in this event as a uh, first tee youth uh back at the first tee open in 2014 play with a guy who's had some success there his name's tom kite won the 1992 us open there i asked him about the seventh hole 95 yard just little pitch down the hill we were hitting a sandwich that day Asked him what the longest club he'd ever hit in there. He said a four iron. So this could get crazy if we get some of those 50, 60 mile an hour wins. And I'm all here for seeing some of these pros hit a four iron on a 95 yard hole. Uh, I hope it happens. And I hope we have some edges to to take advantage of later in the week. But first, let's get into our pre-tournament outright card. Spencer, you said you got a couple (laughs) guys whom you normally might not be on. I honestly, Roberto, don't know how this guy ended up on my card. I initially built it. He wasn't there. I just kept watching this number drift. And 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 I think the two reasons why the numbers drifted is because he played very poorly last week and missed the cut while a lot of people were on him. And I think the second reason is at least the historical narrative behind it has been when windy conditions come into play, some of his proximity numbers go down. I noted this and we talked about this when he won the Zozo Championship, but Colin Morikawa was a golfer for me that I didn't necessarily see that downturn in his stats the way that a lot of people do in the win. I thought 27 to 1 where you can find him in the space is just a super intriguing number. Like, I realized that the driver presented massive flaws at the Farmers. I don't think that's necessarily the best course for him in in general with it, but he missed in both directions. He lost 1.9 shots to the field. That's not necessarily ideal. I, I get that argument of anybody who wants to go that route, but... I do want to note he hasn't lost strokes in back-to-back starts off the tee since the 2021 BMW and Tour Championship events. Do you think we get a bounce back from him there? The putter is going to always be a massive concern. We're talking about four consecutive tracked weeks of losing between 1.2 and 2.6 shots. That does not include the Zozo Championship win just because we didn't have track data there. So I'd be curious of where those numbers exactly landed. We don't necessarily have that. But when we look mm-hmm. historically, Poe has been his best surface. You know, he gets these random spike weeks of gaining massively and then skyrocketing himself into the top five of the leaderboard. So I'm going to trust Morikawa's top ranked weighted proximity that I had in my model for Pebble Beach. And then the second place scoring grade. I took Max Homa at 20 to one. Homa's very popular this week. When I backed him, I didn't realize everybody in the community was going to be on him, it seems like. But I've always said, I've written about this. I've talked about it on podcasts. I probably talked about it during the Open Championship podcast that we did together. I think a grueling, like a weather intense open championship is probably where he has his best chance to win a major. So if you're telling me here that you're going to get those kind of potential conditions and you don't have the added pressure of actually having to try to win a major, I thought 20 to one was a little shallow for him because outside of Xander Shoffley, Homa was the only top 12 projected win equity player for me in my model. 
who landed inside the top 20 for expected putting on these POA greens. Rory was very close. You know, Rory's number is the problem. And, and I, if I get caught up by somebody at the top of the board, it's typically Rory. Nobody's going to play him in DFS this week. I want to point that out. And I do think he's an interesting contrarian route to go for that reason. I know he doesn't have the, the, the past success here that you would hope to see. But I still think that this narrative of like him losing his driving distance might be a little bit overblown to some perspective. So I'm going to take home at 20 to one. Um, I think it's 18 to one is probably the fair price. I don't know if you're getting necessarily a ton of value in that number, but enough for me to punch that ticket. And then I closed out my card, Wyndham Clark at a hundred to one. Like it's not necessarily the biggest hit I've ever had in golf betting financial wise, but I would say that landing on Clark at the U.S. Open when he was at over 100 to 1 was probably one of, I don't know, the one or two top betting moments that I've had today just because it gained me so much traction here at Action Network when he pulled off that win. Like big tournament, a lot of eyes on that event. And for him to pull that off, that was one of those things. And very similar answer to Morikawa. I really never bet him. You never hear me come on this show. I might like him in DFS because he's under the radar, but he's not a golfer that I find on my outright card. But I just found so many things that were conducive to his game that you're not going to see for a golfer that doesn't have anything better than a 19th place finish since October. There's a lot of volatility with this play for the obvious reasons, but Wyndham jumped to seventh overall in my model and weighted strokes gain total over his past 24 rounds. That's when I ran the data to mimic Pebble Beach versus him grading outside of the top 50 of that core return at specific venues. Fourth place grade for me at that pitch and putt contest that I keep alluding to. 15th place rank for weighted scoring. I think the floor is very low. The floor is last place here. And that's kind of the answer with Wyndham. But um, I'm willing to shoot for that upside. I, I don't know if I necessarily am as much of a believer. I'm curious to hear your card because I know you have a lot of long shots this week. I mm-hmm. feel like this is the week that we finally get a name more near the top that wins it. But I don't know whether the ultimate factor here to where things blow on Sunday. I guess it opens up everything for the field, but I thought Wyndham at 100 was one of the better values on the board. I think it's a great value. Um, I don't love the form coming in for him, but it's bad. I'm adding him to my card because it's just it's just a pure number play. He's a better golfer than that. Look at the golfers that are in his uh, odds tier, and it's not a comparison. This guy won two elevated, designated, signature level events in dominating the Wells Fargo, and I think what was by strokes gained per round the best. Uh, tournament of the year for him or his strokes game per round in that tournament were the most by any player in any tournament last season uh, so the single most impressive performance of 2023 was his and we saw him win the US Open as well so very different golf courses than Pebble Beach which is why I normally wouldn't bet him but there's a price for everything and I think we've reached that threshold with Wyndham Clark getting into my outright card well before we get into my outright card uh, also just wanted to throw out that there's because there's so much volatility with the course rotation and the potential weather. I think that's going to make something like one and done really interesting to see how, yeah. because this is a, a elevated purse, one of the eight on the PGA tour. How do you go about, do you want to burn a big name player or do you want to save one for later? We can have a conversation in a moment, but getting into my outright card, I have Justin Thomas mentioned the improvement with the putter over last year. Approach play also has been solid for him. Even though it was down last year, it was still relatively good by PGA Tour standards. He's a person who can thrive with his wedges. I mentioned he might have the best short game on the PGA Tour. 
You also mentioned his PGA Championship, where he fought through the wrong side of the draw. He also fought through the wrong side of the draw in that Players Championship that you mentioned uh, as well a couple of years ago that had the Monday, Tuesday, I think it was a Tuesday finish, actually. Yeah. Um, so we know JT can battle through the win. I've got him as my only investment at shorter than 80 to 1, at 25 to 1. And we'll see what happens in the with the draw and everything with him because uh, I have it to win the standard eight units, but I feel really bullish on him. If we get him on the right side of the draw, I might add just a sprinkle to get up to like maybe 10 units this week of winning potentially. Then through the rest of my card, I've got Keegan Bradley at 80 to one. He is just really strong on approach. I think there's a lot of similar similarity in what you want in a golfer this week at Pebble beach and what you want at the Zozo championship. So I think that you getting, so I think me having Keegan Bradley is a cheaper way of getting someone like Colin Morikawa. Um, has a lot of the same skill set, and I am more of a believer in Keegan's putting than I am in Collins. But by the way, on your Morikawa bet, which we both hit on him at Zozo, yeah, in the second round at Zozo when it was 30, 40 mile an hour winds, he shot like five or six over. It was bad, but yeah. when it wasn't as windy, dominated. Um, so if you want to bet on Morikawa, I think 27 to 1 is a good value because I have JT, didn't do that myself, but I don't hate that bet at all. And for me, anytime Morikawa gets a 25 to 1, I got to take a long and hard look because of just his pure upside because of his approach play. So with him also having the boost on Poa that you mentioned, I think that's also very intriguing. And when it comes down to the draw, I'm going to be looking as tea times haven't been posted yet. I'm going to be looking hard at Morikawa as somebody whom I might invest in. Um, So we've got JT, got Keegan, who's strong on approach, strong with the putter, can do well in that pitch and putt. I've also got Hideki Matsuyama, whom the putt part is going to be the key for because it's even more questionable significantly than Morikawa's putting. But he's been trending on approach play, and he also has also has an elite around the green game. Led the Farmers Insurance Open last week in strokes gained around the green. He was 11th in approach play. And on approach play, he's been cons- very consistent, as usual. He's Hideki Matsuyama. He's gained in seven of his last eight on approach and 15 of his last 17 overall. And over those last eight tournaments, he's gained at least two strokes, two thirds of a stroke on approach per round in six of the eight. So just really consistent approach play from Matsuyama. I think the around the green game can help him out if he needs to battle through one or two tough days of weather. And if the putter gets hot at 80 to one, I'm willing to take that risk. Also going with Cam Davis, another club down course where I think he can thrive, get rid of some of that driving accuracy issues that he has by clubbing down. And I think he's just got upside where at 101, similar to Wyndham Clark, you got to bet him this week at that kind of a number. And my final outright bet, one of the ones that I like, I like this one a lot, uh, is Nick Taylor. Uh, I mentioned this one in our early outright bets article you can find on Action Network on the website or the app. Love Nick Taylor because he's a great course fit here. He's a shorter, a shorter plotter, but his lack of distance is neutralized by these two tracks, more so Pebble than Spyglass Hill. And he's strong everywhere else, top 52 on tour and strokes gain approach around the green putting. And he also has high upside with the putter. In his last 24 track tournaments, he gained at least, strokes, at least one stroke putting per round. So four for the tournament, if the tournament had four track rounds, in six of 24. So one out of four times, he's having a pretty elite putting performance. That gives him some upside that I think people don't, that people haven't factored into with him. Uh, of course, we know he hit the most 
exciting putt of the 2023 season to win the Canadian Open in a playoff over Tommy Fleetwood. And he won this event in 2020 by four strokes. So sure, it wasn't the elite field that it is this week, but you win by four strokes. That's kind of eye-popping and also has top 20 finishes each of the last two years here as well. The most common, the most similar course that we've played to Pebble Beach, I would argue, is the Sony Open, uh, Wildlife Country Club. And he finished T7 there. Bad performance last week at, or two weeks ago at the Amex, but I'm not reading too much into the Amex as that was barely a PJ Tour event. Uh, you mentioned the greens, the pin locations being on the easy parts of the greens. That's a Pete Dye course with some of those relatively smaller greens on the PJ Tour, but not nearly as smaller as Pebble, where you don't have as many pin locations. On Pete Dye courses, you got to have the pin locations in the tough spots or else it's a completely different hole. And that's how that course is playing the first three rounds. So, um, not going to read too much into it. And even the other two courses were easier than the PTI course at Amex. So anyways, not reading too much into that miscut for Nick Taylor. And I think at 120 to one, he's great value. I would honestly bet him down to 70 to one this week. Um, but go, as always, go shopping, check out the odds at different books and you can find them out there at 120 to one. Those are my outright picks. Like I said, waiting to add more in tournament. You have any strong thoughts on any of those, Spencer? I like your Taylor thought. I like your Cameron Davis sentiment. We've talked a lot about him at these club down courses. Mm-hmm. I kind of still land under the mentality that somebody more near the top is going to win. Um, but I think from a number grab perspective, like those two in particular would be the two that would intrigue me most. I, I got very close to if I added another ticket that those were probably the two that I was going to do. I, I don't know that I can go down the Hideki route. Like I understand that he looked better last week and he's putting the pieces together a little bit, but I mean, how many events can we go without him producing a top 10 finish? And anytime he gets himself into contention, it's almost immediate blow up potential that's coming into play with it. So that would worry me ever so slightly specifically if win comes in the plaque. I mean, he could be winning this tournament heading into Sunday. I gave the same example last week. He could be winning the tournament heading into Sunday and finish in 50th place. So that would be like the only downside I see with him. But as you said, like it's a number grab situation that pedigree wise, he's not a golfer that if if we had proper form and proper health and everything that it, what it used to be, he's a 30 to one golfer or less in this field. So uh, I just don't know if we're back to that point yet would be my only concern. Yeah, I know Nick invested in him last week. I laid off of him, but I'm hopping in this week. Somebody has to have a decky for us. I'm sure I'll do it in a couple of weeks. Put him at the waste management and I'll jump in there. <laughs> As a reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365. Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. That's why you get more boosts with them than anyone else. Every day, they power up the odds on hundreds of bets to give you a chance to win more. Bet365 boosts specific markets, your winnings, and even parlays. And they don't stop there. Keep an eye out for their biggest and best odds with their incredible super boost. Check out the booths and see why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 21 or older and present in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, or 18 and older in Kentucky. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. All right, Spencer, we've gone through our outrights. We've gone through our course preview and our best bets. Tell me what else you got on your card this week. So before I get to a play that I'm actually on, let me run a head-to-head play by you that I am highly still considering 
Okay. I'm a little bit afraid that there may be too much volatility. My numbers really like this, but it's this maybe even more downside than the other route that I was talking about with the Sungjae versus Cameron Young. Minus 114 both ways. You okay. can just tell me which side you like of it, and then I'll talk about it in a second. I mean, I'm sure it'll be self-explanatory which side I am on, but Corey Connors versus Wyndham Clark. Oh, I think this one's really interesting because I thought both of these guys had much longer outright odds than I expected. And, ooh, this is a good one. I lean ever so slightly Wyndham Clark because of the short game. But Corey Connors hits absolute lasers. So I don't have a strong preference, but I would go Wyndham Clark if I had to choose one. Especially if there's more weather. of it. If weather is more of an issue, I would like Wyndham Clark more. Yeah, maybe that's where I'm overlooking this just because I have such a minor... Like, I don't have much driving in my model. He's top 10 in my model in weighted driving. He's also inside the top 16. This is Corey Connors for weighted proximity. I just worry about the short game. Like, he is dead last in projected putting. Like, I can talk about Hideki's putter being wow. bad, or we can talk about Colin Morikawa's putter being bad. My model seems to think Corey Connors is the worst putter on this green complex. So, um, you know, if the weather picks up and the wind becomes a problem and all of a sudden he's not hitting as many greens in regulation. We could be going from a spot where instead of that 10 foot putt for birdie, he's now putting from five to 10 feet for par. And if those putts are not going in, I could see that number balloon up on the weekend. So I, I'm kind of heavily leaning towards going that route. I, I do worry mm -hmm. that there might be too much volatility on both ends, just because Clark has been so awful for, you know, the last three, four months now at this point. But uh, if I'm taking this mentality of I'm shooting for upside in these markets and I'm not worried about what the floor outcome is because of the four rounds, I think that might be an intriguing route that probably ends up making my card before everything uh, comes and goes here on Thursday. And then uh, the only other bet that I have right now would be Eric Cole top 20 at plus 180. You can shop around and find mm. that a little bit better. That will be at a book that pays ties in full. I I'm just not going to put too much thought into Cole's miscut last week. That's probably... One of the worst venues you can find for him just with his driving uh, lack of driving ability, I guess would be the wet, better way to word that. Uh, Torrey Pines was always going to be a course that was going to negatively affect those uh, ish situations for him. So uh, that issue is going to get removed here with the short nature off the tee this week. And then the trending data, and this is like the one thing that really liked Wyndham Clark that also liked him. When I ran my projected or my weighted strokes gain tee to green or strokes gain total metrics, I tried to run it specifically for Pebble Beach. So, you know, what a player would be ranked from just the entire encapsulation of that is one thing, but where they would rank specifically for this course when you gave a boost for around the green or you gave a boost for putting really mattered for me this week in my model. And Cole was one of those significant climbers that jumped into the top five for expected strokes gain total for this venue. I think it makes wow. sense when you talk about all the, the the situations off the tee that are just not going to affect him as much as we saw last week. So I thought 180 was an extremely intriguing bounce back price. And as I said, if like you're not worrying about ties paying in full, you can find out there a number that would be closer to like the plus 210 range, which... I also think that's another route to consider going. It's just the only reason why I like the ties in full, uh, whether you do that at bet three, six, five or wherever just comes down to the reason that it's an 80 man field. And I would rather be able to get that production into the mix rather than losing that with such a small field. Cause I mean, there's, there's, we see it every single week. There's like a legitimate chance that he could tie for 19th place with 14 other people. And 
I don't want to get stuck in those dead heat rolls. I agree. I'm going to wait to see when the tea times uh, going to wait to see Wednesday night when we have a better picture of the weather. And that's one of the ones I'm going to add potentially to my card as I have been looking to back up Cole in some, in some fashion this week, kind of the inverse of Aubert where last week was the best course fit for him. I agree that Tory Pines might be the worst fit for Eric Cole among all courses on the PJ tour. So I'll keep an eye on that one, but I do have two other top 20 bets, which is why I don't want to overextend myself before the tournament starts. So that's why I'm not adding it right now. But I've got Emiliano Grillo, top 20 for plus 280. Another plotter like Eric Cole, who can take advantage of this course. Question for Grillo is the short game. But his putter has been better over the last year than it has been in recent years. And his approach play, specifically on the shorter tracks, is really solid. So I like Grillo in... Uh, on the shorter track, he was 10th in stroke gain approach in the field last week at Torrey Pines. I'm also going to go with Sepp Straka, plus 240 for top 20. And I might sprinkle a little bit of an escalator here because he's somebody who has some upside. We know he was on 59 watch at the John Deere, which he ended up winning. He finished in a tie for second at the Open last year in some more challenging conditions out there and did it in a strong field. And we know that he can absolutely light it up and go low on this kind of pitch and putt venue. I think he has upside. I can't quite get there in the outright market for him, uh, but hey, in a course where the, in a tournament where there is a course rotation and there's potential weather, there's just even more of more chaos and variance thrown in there. So anything over a hundred to one this week, you're not going to be betting on a bad golfer because everybody here is really good. They've all earned their way, and there are some sponsor exemptions that are a little bit more questionable. But anyways, you can't don't, make a terrible don't say bet. Web. This week. Don't say what. <laughs> We're not naming names, uh, but there are more. There are other ones worse than Webb. Uh, anyways, I like Grillo and Straka in the top 20 market. So I'm going to back those guys, and I'm also going to seriously consider Eric Cole. I mean, I don't know if I can get there personally on Grillo. Um, I think the Straka play is very similar to what, maybe not to the same level, but very similar to kind of that mentality that I just talked about with Eric Cole and even Colin Morikawa earlier than that. These mm -hmm. are really intriguing buyback spots for some of these golfers. You talked about the pitch and putt narrative. Straka's inside of the top 20 of my model when looking specifically at that type of a course. He's inside the top 25 of my model in weighted strokes gain total. These are things that are not necessarily going to pop up. Like He was a very trendy pick last week. Everybody wanted to play him in outright bets and have exposure to him on DFS and play him across the board. And um, the more I ran my model the lower he kept sinking for different reasons. This week's the exact opposite. The more that I'm running my model, the more that he's rising for me. It's a volatile play. I understand that when you're trying to back him, but I think that price for a top 20 makes a whole ton of sense just because he has the iron play that he can find and use it mm -hmm. as an advantage out here. And he does, I don't want to necessarily say win equity, but he does have enough upside with the putter on these POA green complexes that he can put the pieces together and really move himself into that first page of the leaderboard. Um, wouldn't be shocked if it goes the other direction, but that's what you're looking for on some of these high-end placement markets. So I think that's a really intriguing price there you got, Roberto. All right, I'm going to make that bet to win one unit. I'm going to make the uh, Grio bet to win a half unit. And then my matchup from earlier, Thomas over Aubert, is also to win a half unit. Um, also, forgot to follow up on this earlier. But you mentioned Morikawa losing strokes off the tee and how he never does that two times in a row. Last week at Torrey Pines, 
Morikawa was both five and a half yards longer than the tournament average, and he was also 10% more accurate than the tournament average off the tee. So he just found the wrong spots to miss. You miss uh, on like the 14th tee left, you're hitting three on the tee box instead of dropping somewhere else um, or being in a bunker. It wasn't like he had all of these bad drives. It was data from one day of the two because you don't have it at the north course. And he hit it in the wrong spots on a couple different holes. But overall, most of his drives were above average. So I love that as a bounce back spot. And I think it makes sense why he hasn't lost strokes off the tee and in two consecutive tournaments. And I'd argue that if he had his strokes gained off the tee track from the other course as well, he might not even have lost very much, if any strokes at all. That's a very, um, very good point there. So yeah, I, I just don't think the driver was as bad as the perception is around it. You have... Mm-hmm the couple massive mistakes that ended up making him miss the cut. And really when you do that and, and you have to take an unplayable in a spot, like that's just going to ruin you. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to get into one and done discussion. We, I, I feel your pain. Uh, and so you and Nick last week in our action network, one and done pool, you guys went with Tony Finau. You said you weren't going to bet him outright because you bet him every year here. And he nearly won. He probably should have won. Honestly. Uh, I had Ludwig Bear, and our guys did not want to make four-footers for us. And Tony Fino had some of the most uncompetitive 10-foot putts I've seen on the PGA Tour. Uh, although there were just a lot of putts that guys were misreading and not even touching the hole last week, which some of those these Poe Greens will just do that to you. So I don't want to put it all on them, but our guys missed some putts. On Friday, I was hanging out watching the golf here. Why don't you go grab a sandwich because Ludwig Gobert was putting for Eagle on the 13th hole at Torrey Pines. I come back and I see that he four putted and including a three putt from three and a half feet uh, to make bogey there. And the rest of my weekend was ruined. Um, and then he missed a four footer on the next hole for bird, for par anyways, but our guys couldn't convert. I thought we had some good picks that didn't work out. Who are you considering for one and done this week? You know, it's it's funny, Roberto, because we, we talk about the putting here. Whether I take a good putter or a bad putter, I, I would like to start tracking this. This might be like the new game for the show. Who does Spencer's <laughs> one and done pick? How many strokes does he lose putting for the week? Because it has to be an astronomical number. Like if we date this back to last year. I, I just end up taking golfers when they have their worst putting performance that they've ever had. And Granted, yes, I end up on a lot lot of bad putters just with the way that I naturally build my model in a lot of spots here. But uh, at some point, there are players who can putt well, and you have to end up on a good putter. And when I take somebody like Xander or Homa, it always feels like they end up losing mass amount of strokes to the field where it just never really happens. So I I think it's a unique spot here for one and dones. Um, My initial inclination was to go with Max Homa. And... I may still end up going that route. If you made me and you forced me to make a pick right now, the way I view it is this. This is a volatile tournament. There's weather that's going to come into play. I wish there wasn't a $20 million purse because this golfer probably doesn't deserve to be played in a $20 million purse event. I never want to play Colin Morikawa. If I burn him for some reason, there's a guaranteed payday coming to me. I feel like I'm going to go with Morikawa and shoot for the upside with him and go that route. Um, if I wanted to get really aggressive, like if I was in a 
thousands and thousands of person contest. I think Wyndham Clark is like the pick where you're the only one who takes him if you're trying to get super contrarian with it. I think for our Action Network contest, I don't need to get quite that contrarian to go down that route. But uh, it, it's weird because every pick that I think I've set on the show, I've ended up changing my mind last minute and switching to somebody else. Uh, <laughs> and I, I wasn't going to play Finau last week and I ended up playing Finau. And this week I'm not going to play Homa and I'm going to play Morikawa and I'll probably end up on Homa. But for the sake of this, I will say I'm going to play Morikawa and just close my eyes and hope for the best. I am conflicted on this one because on one hand, I just kind of want to play someone at long odds and wash my hands and get rid of this tournament. But it's not the a bad purse idea, though. Like, so like big. The purse is just so astronomical at 20 million that I feel like I have to use a good player or an elite player, but I don't necessarily want to burn them yet. Um, and I have a little bit of a lead, not very much. We're very early in the season, um, but I took advantage of the first signature event by playing somebody a little different in Thigala and getting him to finish second. Right now, I have Nick Taylor as my selection. I'm not sure that I'm going to keep him there. If the weather is super chaotic, I might leave him there. But if the weather looks like it's going to clear up or if there's some kind of an advantage on one side of the draw, I'll probably target someone from one from that advantageous side of the draw. Some names I have on my short list right now, Xander Shoffley, Justin Thomas, Max Homa, Keegan Bradley, Eric Cole, JT Poston, and Nick Taylor. Uh, right now, I got Taylor because I don't know when I'm really going to use him otherwise but i probably won't use him otherwise but we'll see what happens it's still very much up in the air yeah, yeah I, like the one thing you don't want to do i think from a game theory perspective is go so aggressive like at the end of the day you need to count how many tournaments that you actively have into that you're going to be playing and then figure out what the player pool should look like when you have a two pick contest a guy like nick taylor is much more digestible to take as your second mm-hmm. choice for something I, I think for me though like there are long shots. You mentioned most of them, like Wyndham would be one for me. I think Hostler and Keegan would probably be the other two where you mm. are taking golfers that should be selected over the course of the year. Now, whether they should be selected in one of these events with one of these larger purses is another story, but uh, I don't think that it's so aggressive that you can't go down that route. If you are concerned with the weather, you're concerned about the venue, you have any trepidation about becoming overly invested in burning somebody it's a guaranteed payday that you can take a shot with somebody. And that's why for me, mm. Wyndham Clark does have some potential there where I have to play him. I would think somewhere he's a top 10 win equity choice for me, which is a wild answer to give for a golfer who's a hundred to one. The floor is extremely low. And I, and I'm kind of knowing that if I back him and I think like that might be the one weird spot, even in two pick contests, like not that we're doing that here for action. I might go an aggressive route and go Morikawa and Wyndham Clark and just try to add added win equity that way to my build because there's so much money. But um, it's a different week just because of the weather that you're going to have to. It doesn't mean you have to be cautious with your pick, but you have to be cautious and aware of what you're doing. No doubt about it. Uh, It's going to be a fascinating game theory week in one and done, no matter what the weather is, uh, considering the course rotation, the, the purse, et cetera, et cetera. Spencer. Let's hop into our rapid fire and get out of here real quick. We'll touch on all the golfers 50 to one or shorter whom we have not yet discussed. So let's start with the top of the board. Rory McIlroy on the Bet365 enhanced win market, where, by the way, if you're not familiar, Bet365 has the normal outright betting, which is under their enhanced win, but they also have each way betting. So if you want to get um, a portion of a fifth to eight, an eighth of what you bet on the guy, you can get that back 
or sorry, you can get that back um, in each way betting. So interesting to see if you can get the five to one, eight to one return on that as well. Um, interesting markets to check out. I personally don't do it very often, but um, it's much more common in Europe than it is here in the U.S. So interesting market to look at. But we're looking at enhanced win, where Rory McIlroy is the betting favorite, eight plus eight twenty-five. He is just ahead of Scotty Scheffler at plus eight fifty. So among those two guys who are clearly in their own tier here on the odds board, which one would you rather have, Scheffler or McIlroy? Well, markets and movement would say Scheffler. He's becoming a pretty sizable favorite over Rory in a lot of these spots. I'm going to take the reverse of that answer. I'm going to say Rory. I think the public sentiment around him is a little bit lower than it should be. Uh, I've kind of been the boy who's cried wolf with Rory all the time. Like I, I do it every single year at Augusta where somehow he he weasels his way onto my card and he ends up being my sole bet that I make. And it always ends in heartache. I think 2024 may end up being the year of Rory. I don't even know exactly what that means, if whether he wins a major or he wins you know, a handful of times on tour. I think this is a really nice spot where he's starting here where nobody's going to want to back him. I thought the price was a lot closer than the general public and the market seemed to think for him. So uh, my model had Rory number one in projected win equity. Scotty was very close. It's not like we're talking about a massive difference between those two. I think that's the one A and one B as you kind of stated there, but uh, I'll be a little bit different and I will say Rory. I would lean Rory just because you're going to have to make some more putts for part this week than normal. And I have more confidence with him than with Scheffler. Um, Also on each way betting, you get eight places and you can pay, you can get a return of somewhere like a fifth to a 10th of the odds of your bet. Uh, Not five times or 10 times what you put down so uh just a clarification on that check it out it's interesting if you like that um but i'll agree with rory getting into the next set of odds you've got victor hovland who is 13 to 1 to win outright this week xander shoffley's 15 to 1 max homa on bet 365 is 15 to 1 but you've already discussed him and we'll throw patrick canley who's 18 to 1 in this conversation as well among hovland shoffley cantley which one would you rather have a ticket on this week I am much lower than the general public on Hovland. He's the one that I worry about a little bit more when the winds pick up and that around the green game potentially going south. Mm. So uh, when I talked about there being that high end nature of star versus star, and this is kind of, I'm going to answer the question the same way, like it's, but I'm just going to do it a little differently. Uh, Xander over Hovland, there was a price when it opened at like plus a hundred and you've now seen that drift more into the, minus 120, minus 130 range for the Xander side there. I think that that's credible movement. I decided not to go that route because I'm not trying to necessarily fade Hovland. He's still a top seven projected win equity candidate for me, but he's lower on my model than he typically is during most weeks. Uh, Cantley's going to give you that boom or bust answer. I I never really have a problem with taking a chance with Cantley. I just, at these prices, I can't get there. I think Xander's playing really good golf at this point. Mm -hmm. And at some point with like, I know this is a no cut tournament and I, you know, he's made 37 consecutive cuts, but the narrative for the longest time, Roberto was Xander, Justin Thomas, you put them in a no cut tournament and that's gives them their best chance to win an event. And for whatever reason that has stopped, I, I have not heard anybody talk about that in weeks of these no cut events. And I just wonder if at some point Xander ends up whether you want to say stealing one of these or putting the pieces together in the right way to win it. I think Xander is in a good spot to potentially do that. So I think 
I can't get there at the price, unfortunately, but uh, I did consider trying to bet him against Hovland, and I don't think the price is that bad in reality. Xander last week nearly lost a stroke per round putting. So in three of the four rounds, he's only three retracted Torrey Pines South last week. He still finished in the top 10 at T9. So if he gained strokes putting or is just a zero putting-wise, might have won the golf tournament last week. Uh, definitely tons of upside for him this week as well. Uh, consistent throughout the bag, which is why he's won, why he's made so many cuts. Uh, just consider him like a super Steven Yeager, who, by the way, got in contention last week. Going to be very interested to see how he plays this week against the big boys. Uh, he's got 100 to 1 odds outright. Moving down the board, Jordan Spieth, 19 to 1. JT's 24 to 1 here on Bet365. You've already got Colin Morikawa. What do you think on, would you rather have a ticket on Spieth or JT at those odds this week? Thomas. Thomas was somebody that I, I did consider at the top of the board. I'm probably a little bit lower uh, on Spieth than most people. Like I, I talked about it in a DFS article that I'm going to fade him just with the popularity around him. I, I think in the betting market, though, you get a very similar answer where he has to be priced a certain way because he's going to be a very popular commodity just from what we've seen from him historically. Like he has been, I mean, I can't think of somebody who's more helter skelter, like at this course than he is. (laughs) He will shoot the round of the day. He will lose his ball off the coast. He will almost fall off the (laughs) coast here and there. Like he's been all over the map. I, I do think there are some similarities for him for why he's found success. My model really likes some of the safety answers just because of what he's done here historically. But the data worries me ever so slightly for the price that you're paying. This is not this is not the spot of a couple years ago where, and I'm not even talking like specifically this event, but there were situations where Spieth was 30, 40 to one in some of these tournaments. Like now he's sub 20 to one every single week, it feels like, and specifically here at like these 16 to one prices. I just can't get myself to jump into that. I, I think Thomas's skill set is better suited for Pebble Beach. And uh, I think that there's a real chance that Thomas, this could be the coming out party for him again, where he ends up capturing a title. Like he is one of those shortlist golfers in that 20 to 30 to one range that I did do an extra dive on. Love it. You already know how I, what I think about JT. So we'll move on. Aubert is 30 to one this week. Your boy Tony Finau is 35 to 1, Matt Fitzpatrick 35 to 1, Tommy Fleetwood 38 to 1, and Sam Burns 38 to 1. If you had to place a wager on one of those five guys, Obear, Finau, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, or Burns, who would it be? This is not, I, mean, I gave you a great answer about Justin Thomas a second ago. I, I'll give you a less great answer for that matchup that you have. <laughs> uh, I kind of like Obear this week. I think this is a nice bounce back opportunity for him. When we talk mm-hmm. about the perception around him, he he couldn't make a putt. I mean, he was just awful on the greens. And it was his first look at Poa. We kind of talked about that being a problem. I'd be curious to see what happens to him here um, in this, this second look on the surface. I think one of the things that is going to be the popular answer around him is he loses his driving total driving ability. We won't even say distance. Like he obviously loses the distance, but he loses all of that total driving ability that he brings to the mix. And that's why people are off of him. That's why people are off of Rory, but he won the RSM classic. That's not your prototypical driver test. Sometimes mm-hmm. early in these players careers, you know, you never know exactly what skill set they're, they're going to bring for some of these events. And Aubert for me is just a name that no matter really how I ran my model, there was a lot that it liked about him. Um, not so much to where I could get there on the price that we're getting this week, just because I, I I do have a little bit more concerns with the putter than I did last week. 
but it's another golfer like Xander. Everything went wrong with the flat stick and, you know, just make a couple more putts and he wins the golf tournament. Obert suffered from top of the leaderboard syndrome last week in that he had some bad putts that everybody saw on national television. Yeah. But he gained strokes putting last week. That was the shocking part of it. Did not. Yes, exactly. So you see the ugly ones, but, and those are the ones that are ingrained in your mind, but you're not going to make all those at the end of the day. Um, I, I agree. I think Aubert has upside that's intriguing, but I still have that matchup against him. That's my best bet because we love Justin Thomas here. Uh, moving along, we've got Jason Day, your other boy, <laughs> forty-five to one. Zhang J M, whom you've got a matchup bet on at forty-five to one. Tom Kim, fifty to one. Nikolai Hoygaard, whom you bet on last week at fifty to one, also fifty to one this week. And then Benny on fifty to one, who nearly won the Sony Open in Hawaii. If I gave you a wager on one of those guys, who would you pick? I mean, not Jason Day, unfortunately, this week. Um, I, I know the course history looks great and everything that he's put together. I just don't know exactly where what I feel about his game leading into this weekend. And a lot of those events, as we keep kind of alluding to, it's not the fields that we're going to get this week. I, I want to try to find a golfer that I think has maximum upside in this section. And um, it's kind of a very similar answer for why I like Sungjae in the head-to-head market. Well, the floor is going to be a problem here. I'm willing to take shots on Sungjae. And, like, I prefer doing it in the head-to-head bet there. But there were positive trajectory returns inside of my sheet for why he should find success out at this course. I don't know if the wind ends up becoming a problem. for. I mean, that could be for anybody in the field. But... Um, there were some returns on Sungjae that I, I would at least consider. I, I don't know at what price necessarily, just because of the weather. There, like I said, there there's some problems that I have inside of my model when I look specifically for his returns in the win. It's not bad, but he's outside the top 15 for me, and I feel like him more so than a lot of players when I ran it for extreme wins. He was ever so slightly putting up some bigger numbers than some other golfers there. Not. Not a noticeable difference, but enough so to where like I had concerns about it. But I think of those names that we're talking about, he probably possesses the highest ceiling. So if I'm shooting for that, I'll go with Sungjae. I would agree with you there on Sungjae. We we have gone through everybody at 50 to 1 or shorter. So we'll wrap it up here. But Spencer, where else can the people find your work this week? You can find me on Twitter at Tee Sports. I will be producing all of my action network Uh, articles starting on Wednesday. We'll talk about the sharp movement in the outright sector. We'll talk about what outrights I'm on. Spoiler alert, we've talked about all of them here, but we'll get into more of an in-depth detail of why I back some of those and just where the best value on the market may be right now if you haven't entered the market. I always have my weekend articles in the head-to-head sector. Uh, Very hot week for me last week. Went 3-0 in total. Hit a big Adam Shank plus 155 play over Patrick Cantlay. If you can hit something for 1.55 1.55 units and get like a bet and a half out of it. That's always nice towards the bankroll. So we'll talk about some more of those matchup plays. And then as always, if you like the model or if you like anything that you heard numbers wise, you can get more of that over at Roto Baller if you want to buy my model over there. Highly recommend buying the model. Look at it every week. And it's an awesome extra set of data to check out and see what you've weighed in there every single week because uh, we've had so much success, especially in outrights, matchups. And it gives you a ton of resources to play off of every single week. Uh, also, you, I know you got wind in there, which is going to be important this week as well. Uh, you can find my work on Twitter at RobertoA213. 
I am editing all the golf content at Action Network. So be sure to check out the Action Network app if you haven't already. It's an awesome resource. Got tons of great content on there from any sport that you could possibly find. Um, watching the editing alias, seeing stuff on darts and all, and Australian Open tennis and everything. You never know what's gonna what's gonna pop in there. You can also find our other Links and Locks podcast, the Best Bets episode. This week, Jason Sobel and Ben Everell are at Pebble Beach. They're traveling. So my friend Andre Gonzalez and I hopped on the pod. We gave our 18 bets. You can check that out. Dre has played in this tournament a handful of times, finished 10th in 2015. So check out his picks on our other pod. It's a little shorter than this one, but you can check us out there. And that's about it. I want to give a big thanks to you, the listeners for supporting us throughout the PGA Tour season. Hopefully this is the week where we cash in on a signature event. I've been killing it in best bets. I know, Spencer, you've been killing it on those weekend articles. So be sure to tune in and find all of our content throughout the week. And I want to give a big thank you to everybody who makes this podcast possible, especially our producers, Noah Niederhofer, David Payne, and Matt Mitchell. One final reminder that the Links and Locks podcast is presented by Bet365. Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. That's why you get more boosts with them than anyone else. Every day, they power up the odds on hundreds of bets to give you a chance to win more. Bet365 boosts specific markets, your winnings, and even parlays, and they don't stop there. Keep an eye out for their biggest and best odds with their incredible super boost. Check out the boosts and see why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 21 or older and present in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, or 18 and older in Kentucky. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Thanks again for tuning in to our Links and Locks tournament preview for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And we'll catch you next week right here. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.